Hello and welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know where to get it. Coming to you, as always, the best Detroit Lions talk you can find anywhere available for download. I think I already gave out the platforms. Uh, We're going to do intros in a little bit of a different way. Yes, people in chat have already realized that it started silent because Jeremy isn't available to give me a countdown. So I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, being very adequate, as always, as we are. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P-O-D. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, I guess I'm not the only one cosplaying today. Yeah, apparently not. Just bring the guy in already. Yeah, just bring him in. Apparently, we don't even have sound on the on the stream either. So, frick. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy's go. messing. Jeremy, we're we're not cutting this out, by the way. Jeremy is. Uh, <laughs> do we have sound now, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. I okay. had a Jeremy. From our Jeremy's Jeremy's movie night. messing up everything because he go, wants. Though. He's got to do this 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 intro. Jeremy no, Reisman, no, fearless leader. And he's I not here. Go. You got to go. Yeah. Someone else is coming. Someone else is coming. Okay. All for a bit. All for a bit. (laughs) Come on. Oh, you're not going to, you're not going to introduce my friend. Oh, oh, you want me to introduce your friend? Okay. (laughs) So I've got, I've got to do this bit here too. I I see how it is. So I've got to, I've got to, I've got to submit and I've got to introduce your bit. All right, fine, fine. Uh, Let's bring him in straight from uh, Springfield. Uh, What? He's a big, he's a big fan of God. (laughs) He's a big fan of God. You know, we all like God. Except for those who want to attack and the throne God. Come on in, mystery guest number three. Who is this? I need a little oh, everybody. It's Ned Flanders. You couldn't even do it with a straight nope. face. I couldn't. I'm sorry. Do, wait, do you hold up? Hold up. Do you have it? Do you have like what was that? What are you holding? What are you holding a, right now? A pen? Oh, okay. It looks it looks like okay. Never mind. I'm not gonna say what I thought it looked like. I should have put off a, to a flying a, start. I just realized I should have put a, a, a Simpsons background. I was well, shocked. Hi, Heidi Ho. Like, you know, hello, neighbor. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure who it was. Was it was it Jeremy? Was it was it Ned Flanders? Was it was it Michael Rothstein? <laughs> and he does look a lot like Michael Rothstein Ooh. with the, with a mustache. If Mike grew a mustache, that would be far too powerful for any man to comprehend. I'd happily cosplay as as my good old neighborino, Michael Rothstein. <laughs> Neighborino, you can't even do the voice straight. You, <laughs> I tried. I tried it. Bad. I tried it in a mirror, and it was just—it wasn't working. You—you're too self-conscious. You need to like let it out. You need to, like you got to do like those stupid Bronx accents. Me and Ryan were doing. <laughs> I mean, I went, I went all in on the on the Macho Man. You did. This one was just not 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 working. <laughs> you're dressed well, though. You're, you're trying like, not you, to you, say anything that will offend people. I feel like. <laughs> Maybe we should just move on and talk about yes. what we're actually going to talk. All right, about. let's talk about what we're actually good. Now that Jeremy is derailed, I don't. I didn't derail the show this time, folks. I didn't do this. This is all because of Jeremy's setup and and like everything. He even cut his hair. He even cut his hair for this for this. Not, not really for the gimmick, but and also we should probably mention the reason I'm dressed up as Ned Flanders is because it was one of the things we raised money for during. Yes, Monday. we raised twenty thousand dollars for Prostate Cancer Foundation and for Rain Rape Abuse Incest National Network back during no- November, Movember. This is all because of you. 
you did this. You yes. derailed my, not even my, my podcast. Fault. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you <laughs> channeled your enemy energy into Jeremy to derail this podcast. That's right. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the NFL combine. We have a mailbag and this is all like the reason why we sound like this is because there is nothing going on. <laughs> we have the combine coming up here and I guess we're going to keep talking about the combine eat a little bit more, even though we just talked about Kent Lee Platty with Kent Lee Platty about a lot of it. Um, this is also the podcast where I get to shill in my USFL talk and we'll keep doing some mailbag questions. Ryan's got a mailbag together for us. Uh, let's start with the combine, I guess. What, what else is there to really cover about the combine? Um, I think the interesting thing is that Matt Corral, Matt quote unquote, golden Corral <laughs> is going to be skipping the on-field drills uh, so also is Evan Neal, who has been trending upwards, almost to number one, some would say, for yeah, the Jaguars, depending on who you ask. And cornerback Derek Stingley, who's, I think, one of the top, I think. Potentially I, top 10 pick for sure. I was going to say he's probably CB1. I Could think be. there's some consensus. There's some di- difference between him and the guy behind him whose name escapes me right now. But Stingley, Neal, and Corral are all skipping on field drills. The Corral thing's fascinating because we he was the one quarterback we didn't get to see at the Senior Bowl. So I don't like that's that's the one thing where I'm kind of like, okay, I, I know he got hurt. He's coming off the injury. I get it. But he's been out of the light for a little bit now, and it's gonna make picking Corral kind of risky for any team. Maybe. I, here's the thing. Like he's still going to be there, right? He's still going to talk yeah. with teams. He's still going to go through medicals. He's just not going to do the on-field drills. And so I, I'm with you that it, it, it's kind of disappointing, right? Because he's been out of the media conversation for a couple months now when he wasn't there at the senior bowl and everyone else kind of got hyped up, but I don't know if this is really going to affect any of his actual, like any of the teams, right? Like the teams well, they didn't want, just they forget want some, about like, him because he wasn't at the senior bowl. It's not that they won't forget about him, Jeremy, but like we talked about the value of the senior bowl is that, yeah. You're with NFL teams. You're practicing under NFL systems, NFL drills, like those, those NFL style practices. Those are, those I think are important to scouts. And that's kind of, so you'd want, I would say you want to either hit the combine or the senior bowl to at least have one of those on your resume going to the draft, but to miss both and just hit up on the pro days. I know pro days for individual colleges are becoming a bigger things, but at the same time, there's still plenty of criticisms about individual college pro days about they fudge the numbers a little bit. And there's always, there's just weird shenanigans going on. It's a very favorable to you system. True. But that's kind of the point, right? Because obviously Matt Corral couldn't have gone to the senior bowl. He's not a senior. Um, So his, his choice was either go to the combine injured, potentially put up poor numbers, potentially tank his draft stock or Go to a nice controlled environment, put up some decent numbers, and do well. Like, and and but this the is numbers, maybe, but not complete. Like everyone, everyone there has a stopwatch. It's not just the official numbers of the pro day. Everyone there's got a stopwatch too. Yeah, and, and they're just clicking it about half a second fast. Maybe, but that means they're starting it fast and they're ending. No, it no, fast. no, no. So they're starting know. it late and ending it fast. Oh yeah, is that how yes. it works? Yes, that's. But I, here, I guess this kind of brings to what I think everyone is gains like point. two inches at everyone gains two inches at a pro day as well. My overall point, though, is I'm starting to think that the NFL needs to combine a lot more than these players do, because we're seeing more and more people drop out. We're seeing more and more people like th- with the whole like 
boycott. Like they're showing that they have a lot more pro, a lot more pro, power in this process than the NFL. And to me, it's it's just very interesting that the NFL keeps trying to make this a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger bigger NFL bigger event. Now it's in prime time. Now they do the measurements and the on-field drills at the second and on the same day, and it's it's not benefiting anybody. It's not benefiting the players. It's not benefiting the teams because they're getting more and more exhausted because they have to do more and more in a single day, uh, just like the players do. And, and the players can't afford that, right? Like it's not fair to exhaust a player more this year than in previous years, because we're comparing their numbers to previous years. We're saying a four, six is slow for this receiver in the past, but if he has to go through all this crap and, you know, even if it, you know, it doesn't, it might not seem like a lot, but even if it affects their, score by a tenth of seconds, like that's a big difference to some people. And so I I'm curious as where the future of the NFL combine goes. Cause now they're talking about moving it away from Indy. Now they're talking about continuing to make it a, a primetime event. But if these players start backing out and start saying like, no, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to help me. Well, they hold the power. If, if everyone suddenly backs out, it's not an event anymore. If, if all your top tier guys are like, I don't need this, then, then what we're going to watch the NFL combine for a bunch of day three picks. Like, no, I mean, some draft guys, well, they're, they're insane, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just kind of interested to see where this goes because I think the players hold all the power in this uh, aspect and they're not really happy with a lot of the changes that they're making. I, I think I agree with you in the sense that like the top tier, top shelf players, the ones that seem like they're surefire first round picks, they stand to lose more than they stand to gain sure. by participating in the combine. But I think maybe once you get outside the top 40, 50 players, those guys have everything to, to, to show up to the combine for um, just because they are, they are going there to, to check boxes and to, you know, to have scouts and, and the rest of those people say, Hey, like, okay, this guy's like numbers, check the tape that we've like confirmed now. So, right. but, but I think, I mean, look at the Los Angeles Rams. They're not even going to be at the combine. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, I it's mean, not that Im- they're just yeah. going to get the numbers beamed to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but also they're, they've thrown away a lot of their picks too. Yeah, fair point. But this all feels like something that you can do from a computer. Like, right. It, yeah. I, I would say two things are happening here. Number one, and Jeremy alluded to it, in the NFL's uh, rapid realization that its offseason is like unbearably long compared to other sports, they have tried to make everything, even stuff that is not football, part of their calendar and part of their watching repertoire now for us we've been psychos for the nfl for a long time that that's like yeah no duh but i think to what jeremy's saying moving it out of indy and making it a traveling circus like the draft is part and putting it in prime time and crunching it all down uh in in how many days it's on that's all to make it more of a television product like moving out of indy makes no sense other than to try to get fans in the seats because indianapolis is always seen as this like place that it's it's very easy to fly all of these scouts into from both the west coast from the east coast it's not technically in the center of the of the country like denver but it's in a good enough place and enough controlled environment and is in a dome that everyone at least like knows to get to Indy to like get everything they need to throw that all out to chase after TV product. Yeah. Puts, puts a lot of pressure onto them. And then, yeah, I think, I, I, I think, I think the threat comes less from pro day and more from, although we won't talk about it, these collegiate all-star games. Cause if we had one for like, if you could get another game, 
besides the senior bowl, like the, the, the shrine game and the collegiate bowl, both appeal to really low end players. But like, if a guy, if there was a bowl game for like corral to play in, or at least like to go to the practices at like, I don't know, a junior bowl, the junior men's bowl, that, that would be far more beneficial than going to the combine. But as you said, I think Jeremy's right. The, like the NFL needs for what the NFL wants out of the combine. It needs it more than the players need the combine. And part of that is because they've turned it into a circus and they've turned it into a TV circus. And and to be clear, when I say the NFL needs it more than the players do, I'm talking about the business side of the NFL, the the actual teams. I don't think they need the, the, the combine that much. I think they're okay with, with pro days. And I think we hear it more and more every year. Like, some of these drills, some of these numerics, some of these, some of this data is, is outdated. People don't care about straight line speed in the 40. They care about miles per hour and tracking and things like that. And they can get that sort of information from the senior bowl week. They can get it from East West Shrine week. They can get it probably from a pro day too. And so I think the Rams not showing up is kind of a sign. Like it's just not that valuable to us. Like, sure. They'll look at the, the data. They'll look at wingspan. They'll look at all that sort of stuff. You can get that stuff anywhere. And so I, I don't know. I think, I think the, I'm just think the NFL is playing with fire here by, by putting more on the players' shoulders, um, changing things up when it doesn't need to be changed in a very, I mean, I don't think I can stress how important this is this week is for a lot of these guys. And again, it's not just the on-field drills. That's important. It's the meeting with the teams. Sometimes it's a meeting with the media. Sometimes it's, it's the, the medical checks, but again, like you can't, you can't make an event around medical checks. And I think that's the problem <laughs> because that's, that's potentially more important, I think, than, than some of the on-field stuff. Right. It's the combines important in the sense that you're all getting that data and maybe scouts, if you want the final look, but I, I think there's a difference between what NFL scouts want the combine to me and what wants the NFL combine to be and what the NFL itself wants right. the combine to yes. be. And those two are very far apart right now. Yes. The, well, the I mean, only other point, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I, I was just going to say real quick, I, I think that this is just, uh, you know, another effort in the NFL to, like Chris said, to wring this towel dry of the NFL wanting, wanting to be ubiquitous. Like I, I, I think, I think you look at even something like the NFL draft. The NFL draft used to be two days. Before that, it was a day. Like, <laughs> I mean, not, now it's stretched over into a three-day event, like over an entire weekend. Um, and I mean, With the first is, round taking God forever. Yeah. So, you know, this is just more of the NFL trying to 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 cash in on, like you said, Chris. I mean, it gets to be a pretty barren offseason, like even in like a week like this, like it's it's in between everything. Like there's nothing really looking back and you know the Super Bowl is so far in the rearview mirror but I mean the offseason's even kind of a, a distant you know a uh, thing to think about even with it being a couple weeks away it's 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 conscientious especially in an age of non-stop content you can't really have you can't take your foot long, off the gas man you can't and you can't have the kind of long offseason the NFL has where it really their season plus postseason runs all right September October November December four 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 months for the regular season and two for the postseason, January and February. That's six, six months of off season. Yeah. No other sport in the world has that kind of time off. Like, Unless you're baseball and on straight. Well, I'm, <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> bastard. I had to do but it. But still like baseball makes up for it, like by an unseasonable amount of games they play. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the point is that like other sports, but like, 
the NFL, I don't know why the NFL is so worried because it, it has the power and leverage of when its season is in stock, that it's like the most powerful thing and crushes all other sports. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's in trouble just because the bait, the NBA season goes on longer, but no. yeah, okay. they, they just want to make, they, they see the content and they want to ring it dry for the combine. Let me, let me ask a question sure. to both of you. Do you think in general, just a, an average NFL prospect, do you think they have more to gain or more to lose at the NFL combine? I think they have more to gain. Um, however, I think it's the stuff that Corral, uh, Corral isn't skipping. It's going to the interviews. It's going to you know, like the medical checks. It's going to all of that. You can't yeah. skip those, period. Right. Like you just can't. Yeah, I think that's probably an understated thing that we kind of looked over is you have all of these prospects in one spot. So it, I think it makes it a lot easier on the teams, right, to, to conduct interviews and, and things like that. And it's, I, aside from the medical checks, which I totally agree with you, Jeremy, I think that those are probably some of the biggest boxes to check off in Indy. But I think that there's just so many players that I think that they stand – to gain more than they stand to lose if they don't participate in the combine, just because of the sheer amount of people. Like, I mean, if this was like the NBA, you know, where, where it's a short draft, there's like 60 players that get picked. I mean, then obviously throw it out the window, but like, right. I, I think just 300 because, plus people. Right. Yeah. I, I think that has to be taken into, into account for sure. That's fair. I, I guess I, I was just thinking, cause I mean, you, I think you both use the term checking off boxes, right? Like, well, if you don't show up, it's not like you're unchecking that box, right? It's just, it's not, you're not as sure about that I, box being yeah, checked. I, it depends on your stature. Like, yeah, if, if like Kayvon Thibodeau decided he wanted to skip the combine, maybe that puts him behind the eight ball on like Aiden Hutch. That wasn't a great comp because I just realized Aiden Hutchinson's right there. Let's say Kyle Hamilton skips the combine. I don't right. think that hurts Kyle Hamilton's stock at all. Right. But if you're like, I don't know, Drake London, or someone who's probably in that date. Um, who, who's it? Muma is the um, Chad Muma. Say, Chad the Muma. If he skips yeah. the combine, that hurts a lot more. Right. I think that well, hurts fair. him a lot more. You you can also show up to the combine and make a fool of yourself, like Ruben Foster. That's true. Do you true. remember that? I mean, like literally waiting in line to get your medical checks done, and you're just like, no, it's taking too long. I'm out. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, that was, but that was him. Or you can make a, I mean, you can make a, I was, as soon as you said, make a fool of yourself, a combat, I was thinking more of a Chris Jones situation, but um, I don't even remember what he did, but do I want um, to? He is, you don't want to. You, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you, you can Google it if you want. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> I think we're good on the combine talk. Are we good here? I don't well, let's, even... let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about like maybe the things. Okay. We're looking for. Uh, do you, do you want to maybe, okay. I'm just checking our time here. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe do it on the other side. And then we talk sure. some of the miscellaneous news. Cause okay. So on the other side, we'll talk about some of the guys we're maybe watching that we didn't get to with Kent Lee Platty on first bite, which you should listen to if you haven't. And uh, I want to talk some USFL. I'm going to make Jeremy talk about some USFL because there's a couple of interesting things from that. And, and the question of if, is, is it even going to outshine the return of the XFL at some point? Listen, we got a, we got a Detroit based, a Detroit, quote unquote, Detroit based <laughs> USFL team. So this is a Detroit podcast. We'll talk about that a little bit. And yes, we've got the mailbag primed and ready. It's the off season in full effect here on the pride of Detroit POD cast. As you can tell, I'm holding back my laughter at Jeremy's uh, Flanders thing. So we'll be right back. Oakley Dougley. Do you know any other line? Neighborino. God, Jesus. <laughs> Omar. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, real quick before we get away from draft talk, um, did you want to talk about some of the guys you were thinking about, Jeremy? Well, I, I kind of wanted more to talk about like maybe which position you guys are focusing in on because for me, it's it's like edge. Edge, we talked about it with, with Kent. Like there mm. are just, it's a huge class. It's a huge and class one, for edge. And one of the things he says, and, and I happen to agree with, is that like edge and tight end are the two most important positions when it comes to athleticism. Pure, you have to have an absolutely pure athlete at that position. And, and it seems like this draft is full of them. So I, I think when it comes to that day, which I think is Friday <clears throat> when they're testing, that's, that's going to be the most fun day for me is just watching all these edge prospects just go absolutely nuts because I, I, I think you could see them, them rise up the charts because I don't know, like I, I saw your, your mock draft today, Ryan, and you took uh, Johnson right at, at 32 or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think the the most common criticism of that is he's not going to be there, right? And I think I think that that could possibly be true and and maybe even solidified this weekend just because there's so many good edge guys and and you know, he, he I think he was normally thought of as kind of end of the first round, but his stock has been slowly rising and I feel like he might solidify it this weekend. Yeah, I, real quick, I think Johnson is like the perfect case of how people overreacted to the Senior Bowl a little bit because Johnson sure. coming into the Senior Bowl was like a mid-second round pick. And I've seen people putting him like as high as like eight on their yeah. mock drafts, like putting him in the top 10. So like that feels like a little bit of an overreaction for a guy who spent two years at Georgia, didn't do a whole lot, and then transferred to Florida State and had one big bang year. So um I, I think, yeah, he's probably trending in the right direction. Um, but to, to your point, um, I, dude, I still like, I still like watching people run in a straight line really fast. Like I know it doesn't matter, but I still enjoy watching it. Like, so like wide I still receivers. Enjoy, yeah. I, yeah. Wide receivers. I mean, wide receivers are cornerbacks. Like I was going to say, I'm, 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 I'm really focused on secondary for this, uh, this this uh, combine, I'd, I'd, I want to see out of the safeties and corners what they can do, considering that it, it is also a, a deep draft for there. But also that, um, again, if you're going past Kyle Hamilton, I'm curious, like th- those are still both cornerback and safety are still needs for the Lions. And I'm curious what um, what's in this draft past, like, say, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. And to, to an earlier point, when we were talking about like who the combine really matters to, like, I think Jermaine Johnson is a perfect example of a guy who 
like you said, Jeremy, I mean, he could solidify himself as maybe a top 15, maybe top 10 pick if he goes mm-hmm. and he absolutely crushes the combine. Because I think that there are some questions about his athleticism. And sure. I mean, that's one way to put him to bed. Sure. All right, moving on. Um, actually, speaking of the draft, do you guys buy in at all? So we talked about the draft being kind of this moving circus. I know uh, you have it here written down, Jeremy. The Lions are finalists for the 2024 NFL draft, although yeah. our friends over at Locked on Lions, uh, Matt Derry says the Lions probably is going to have to sweeten the pot, try to get people to come to Detroit. I don't know exactly what that would entail. but Well, um, yeah, let me let me talk about it yeah. real quick. Because, yeah, the, the Lions – announced via the the Packers uh, president that it's going to be between Green Bay, Detroit, and Washington, D.C. And, and Deary, who, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the host of Lockdown. Well, of Lions. those, of those three, only, only Detroit is the, has the dome. Right. True. But you but want to control you, you, don't, you don't necessarily host it at your stadium. That, that, that's, that really that's only where been it done was in for Indianapolis. though, was Lucas oil field. Now you're t- you're you're this is the draft not, not the, the draft. Oh, we're oh, talking the, about the draft yeah i am so sorry <laughs> you are so adequate wow <laughs> holy god my brain got off in a weird spot yeah so with the draft you can host it wherever you want obviously that that can host a lot of people but so between green bay detroit and washington dc in me according to me that it, it seems like Detroit makes the most sense. Green Bay is, no, I don't know DC. if you do it there, Appleton, because there's, I mean, there's nothing in Green Bay. There's not a lot of hotels. Logistically, I, it sounds like a nightmare. It, it's going to be D.C. If those are the finalists, it's going to be D.C. Well, then, you're you're going to put, like, put this on like the, the Mall you, of America. You, are you going to reward Dan Snyder right now? Are you going to give him a reward? Well, they're, they're, the league is certainly protecting Dan Snyder. So it is now, like, they, but, they will, they, but I mean. They already have that reputation of we're protecting Washington. Now you're going to give him a, a, a draft too? Like They won't see it as protecting not, Washington. They will see it as we are going to have the first overall pick walking on the mall of America. Of the, right. of America. You're right. But it, I, I just think it's bad optics. But anyways, to get to the point about Matt Deary, he suggested on his podcast today, uh, he kind of tipped me off about it um, that according, according to his sources, the lines are going to have to sweeten the pot and the way they sweeten the pot is very simple. You, you willingly take hard knocks. It, well, I think we want them to take hard knocks. Anyway, we want them to take hard knocks. They don't want to take hard knocks. No one wants to ever take hard knocks. And, and he suggested the way they could sweeten the pot even more is take on a hard knocks mid season the mid-season podcast uh, hard knocks man. that the, the, the Colts took on. This would be a bad one. Cause this is going to be a really middling year for the, if we, if we project this season out, this is either, I mean, any season's random, but I think we're, we're looking at the lions probably being like what this next year, like six and six and 11, like, are they really mid season? Is that really going to create a lot of drama? Look, I, I yeah, I, I need I a know team in the playoff hunt. We, we like, uh, for very selfish reasons, we all want the Lions to be on hard knocks. But like Jeremy said, I don't think those guys want to be on hard knocks at all. Like, it's just another distraction. It's another thing that you got to deal with. I mean, players don't like going to training camp as it is. Like, right. I mean, they're yeah. going back to work. Right. Like, but I, like the NFL really, just sees like Dan, the NFL just sees Dan Campbell and wants him in front of a camera. Right. Yeah. Well, the other problem with Detroit though is like, where would you host it? Like the Fox Theater? Like yeah, what? That's well, that's mm. where they've pitched Ford Field yeah. and the Fox Theater. Well, I mean, those are close enough together. Everything's kind of in that same vicinity with right. all the stadiums. So, yeah, yeah like I, I just I just saw some people like 
kind of spitballing and, and talking out loud on Twitter. And they're like, well, I mean, you have like the waterfront and everything. I'm like, it's way too cold. Like you can't. <laughs> yeah. Do this that. isn't, this isn't a draft that would be out. Well, I mean, I know it would be April, but I, something tells me this would be the first draft since they moved it out of radio city music uh, hall that it would be indoors. And it would, it would be at the th- the Fox theater just because that would look fantastic on TV. I think they've gotten away from doing stuff primarily like outside without any shelter. You know what I mean? Like I remember going to the draft in Chicago in 2016 and that was miserable because it was raining. Right. And like, even, even Philly, Chris, like, I mean, that was a lot of walking. That was a lot of, they got, they got pretty lucky with the weather though. Like if the weather sucks, there's nobody out there. Yeah. Well, Eagles fans would still be out there getting pneumonia. (laughs) Like I, I I don't doubt that at all. But the the one thing to, to consider though, is like Cleveland did hard knocks and then the next year announced they got the draft. And then I think the same thing happened with, uh, God, who was it? I think maybe not Philly, Vegas, Dallas, Raiders. Vegas. No, you're right. The Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders, Raiders, Raiders and then, yeah. then a year yeah. or two later, suddenly, and they probably picked yeah. Vegas for other. Well, I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like, hurt. yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it probably doesn't hurt that it's also Vegas, and you get to put your draft picks on gondolas out to the Bellagio fountains or whatever they were talking about mm. before the the pandemic. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, to me, looking at if I'm the NFL, like, Mall of America is you don't pass that up, like that. That's flybys over the Lincoln monument. Yeah. Like, come on. It, I'm sure people in Washington, DC would absolutely hate m- more traffic in, in the middle of all that. But do you think yeah, we appreciate the traffic in Detroit? <laughs> I think, I think Detroit would be psyched to get the draft based on everything I just saw on Twitter today. They probably haven't thought that far into it, but yeah. I think people like people would show sure. the hell out for sure. a draft. In Detroit. I mean, it, we joke about it. Like the draft well, is the Lions Super Bowl, right? Like, of yeah. course people are going to show out, but We'll see. I mean, it, I think uh, the, the the Packers president said it, it should be decided or at least um, yeah. they should know more by the end of March. So won't be right. Long. Right. Um, let's see what other news. I really just want to get on to the USFL talk. That's fine. We don't we don't need to talk about the lines not being international. Who cares? As much as I want to go so, to sorry, like a game. Sorry, in Lions in London, guys. Roar the UK, I, guys. Sorry to those guys. Sorry to me, because I really want to go to a Lions game in Munich. I, th- I think they're going to go in 2024. If it's if it's to Munich, then sign me the hell up. Maybe I'll Munich. even take Frankfurt. The thing is, they'll they, they got to do it around go, Oktoberfest. They probably won't go next year. They won't host one next year. They might go as a as a right team, but they that's, won't go. That's the fine whatever because they need to have nine home games for them to be right, the host team. Right. So 2024 is probably when it happens. I I just saw a Packers fan on Twitter this morning who when the news was announced, they're like, hmm, I've never been to London before. And it's just like, damn it. Why do you guys get all the cool things? Like, why, <laughs> why do like, I mean, they're the last team to go across. I was about to say, we were, we were in London like six years ago. Yeah, I know. But like, I just hate the way that it's phrased. It's like a Packers fan. It's like, huh, another cool thing that's happening to my franchise and organization. I'll, I'll make a trip out of that. Uh, I, think, I was. Very, I think you're being petty. No, I was very cynical this morning. <laughs> I, I I don't care about the Packers. I just really want to talk about the USFL. Care about the Panthers. Panthers. That's right. Michigan Panthers. Shea Patterson. Come on, Jeremy. Aren't you fired up, man? No. I like what Kent was talking about. Like because I kept throwing quarterback names for all the quarterbacks taken in the draft to him. And he's like, yeah, that guy's better than Shea Patterson. This guy's better than Shea Patterson. This guy's better than Shea Patterson. This guy who's playing in the, in, in the indoor football league, better than Shea Patterson. I'm like, 
I don't know. I know he's Sparty, but uh, yeah. But the problem was is that the backup that they drafted is better than Paxton Shea Lynch. Patterson. I think they chose Pack. I think I'm think they chose Shea Patterson for PR because they understand oh. get a Michigan quarterback. Yeah, I mean Paxton Lynch was a former first round pick. Like, yeah, come on. But here's the thing: Michigan fans aren't excited about Shea Patterson. I can tell you because I am a Michigan fan. Well, I think there's this was this was just sometimes 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 okay completely fair uh, but like uh, this is just yeah, like no. a misguided rolled horrible out, attempt to 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 play roll, the national pride and no. they rolled out the whole red carpet they had Brad Keselowski announcing the pick and I saw they photoshopped that onto like like v- deep faked it on some fucking videos of like a packed bar of everyone cheering as they like Shay like the Panthers were a lot more psyched to get Shea Patterson than literally anyone else. Like I, yeah. I, I honestly think something that is totally translatable is if you were to say replace Shea Patterson with Connor cook, it'd be the same thing as like a Michigan state fan, right? Well, like Connor you- cook at least got drafted into the NFL. Yeah, I know, but Connor Cook was a boob. Man. No, he was he was that awful. Yeah, yeah, total zero. I, I've, I've, like, he's one of the few people I've met from the sport, and he's awful. What I mean is like a not likable person, right? But like, or like didn't didn't play well when they were at the college. Like, I mean, Connor Cook like had you know success, but like, I get it. Like, I'd rather root for I, Drew Stanton. Yeah, talk about a Lions legend like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just like. What was the name of the, the guy that was taken second of role? Wasn't he a former lion? Jordan Tamu? Yeah, he was yeah. on the practice squad. I'm more and excited like, about that. A former lion. Get him and on he there. He has minor league experience. He played in the XFL. Like right. Jordan no, he, Tamu. He was, lit up yeah. the AF, AAF, right? Like, oh, he no, was it was, really yeah, it was the AAF, AAF, not the XFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was I was I'm, thinking of the uh, edge rusher that the Panthers took, Kayvon Walker, who like led the XFL in sacks for New York. I'm just guys, you, first first red flag right away the very first draft pick is they like, they oh, have man, they have draft. a good team besides this, shea patterson though how tell them they don't yeah. because no, none no, of no. these guys are nfl USFL. level and that's the ultimate problem with all these is that jeremy the for the usfl the they gonna have suck a even roster. more when the xfl is here and we're thinning the rosters even more okay but like mental leagues yeah that's that's know, that's that's I the know. part for it but like in the context of the usfl power ranking and i trust american football international on this because they cover good minor league football You're, jeremy oh shut God. the hell up man oh like sometimes God. there's more football than just the nfl out there there are good there are some like i'm not going to say they're nfl level but i am saying like <laughs> i trust the people who watch stuff at other levels too and like they say panthers probably have the best roster in the usfl now i know it doesn't matter for much they've got a good defense for it but and they've got Jeff Fisher, but you know, yeah, I, so I think four and four. Great. I mean, it'll be eight. Eighteen, eight games, right? Isn't it four and four? Yeah. But he won eight games every time he beat in the NFL. So I just I think that's a that's an undefeated right. I what Chris, what is different about the USFL that it will make it succeed where seemingly every year one of these pops up and immediately fails? Okay, so I will say though, like I think you the big thing you're pointing about, the XFL getting back in the pond is their biggest problem. And the fact the XFL already has a partnership. I think the USFL will at least finish a season, which the AAF can't say. But I think a lot of that comes from they at least seem to have a good blueprint in place. And there's no chance owners are going to panic from like the AAF did. So I'll give them the year. We'll oh, see. I, can can I can I propose a question? 
Yeah, what's up? Who will play more games in 2022, Major League Baseball or the USFL? <laughs> well, there's only eight games versus. I mean, I, I, I I'm still going to go baseball just because they might get half a season. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just like there. To me, there's just nothing exciting about USFL. Like they did, they did a smart move by pulling in the old teams, and that got drum certainly drummed up some excitement locally because. Michigan Panthers, last professional football team to win a championship in Detroit, whatever. Uh, but that's like, that's it. Like you can't, you can't carry an entire league with a logo and a mascot. And I don't know what there's to look forward to with. It. No, I, I think so. I, 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 at least I thought the draft was kind of innovative for like a league starting out to be going by position. But yeah, you started to dig into it and it's like, okay, we're getting guys who played in the indoor football league who went to like D3 Occidental College. Um, it's, it, it's a layer that needs to be there, but I don't think the USFL really stood out in any which way. Not like the, I think the XFL captures better imagination of people. And the XFL was successful. Like I know people will point to the ratings and say they were bad, but it was spring football. And for all accounts, it only got shut down because of the COVID pandemic. I don't know how much more stable the next XFL three will be just because it seems to be a cadre of owners and not Vince McMahon bankrolling the whole thing, which one owner makes it a little more resilient when you're starting out as a sport versus a bunch. That was the problem with the first USFL. And there was a problem with the AAF is that a bunch of owners panicked and didn't have the money come up and they turned to some like crazy guy. In both cases, they turned to crazy people who immediately destroyed it, be it Donald Trump or the Carolina Hurricanes owner. And they just immediately flailed and the whole thing blew up. XFL 2, at least, seemed to be going in a... It wasn't going to light the world on fire, but it really didn't need to. It just needed to replace for ESPN and for CBS Sportsnet, whoever else they were partnered with. It needed to replace the content you lost when the Arena Football League folded. That's all it really needs to do for to do for that. Plus bring in a couple of decent crowds and they were doing that. And I think XFL now with their partnership, they they've signed that partnership with the NFL for developing new rules and safety ideas. And they were, there were some good ideas out of XFL too. I really like how they approached kickoffs. Sure. It was proven very safe. I don't know yep. how much I liked the two point conversion shootout for overtime rules that that can go away. But there was some good stuff from the XFL, and I think people respond better to the XFL name than they do to USFL. I think also more young people recognize the USFL name. I mean, they recognize XFL more than the USFL. And to me, that's that's the only reason why the XFL has my attention over the USFL is because they seem a little bit more inclined to try some unique things and not gimmicky things. I mean, you could argue that the, the two point conversion over time, that was gimmicky, was, was but, gimmicky. But, but a lot but, of the but, other rules were like clearly for we like, right. We, there, we, there's we been people kick. banging yeah. on the table for replacing the onside kick. And they, they tried it. They even tried it at the pro bowl, right? The, the yeah. whole fourth down thing. Like that is something that the XFL is, is not afraid mm-hmm. to try and, and test out for, for the NFL. We've been talking and that, about getting rid of kickoffs, and yeah. they figured out a way to redesign the kickoff to make it relatively mm-hmm. safe right. and still exciting. Yeah, and, and you know, the NFL is talking about changing the punt right now because the punt is one of the more dangerous plays in the NFL right now. So I have to imagine they might run some things through the XFL and be like, hey, 
why don't you try this? This is something that has been on the proposal table for years at our competition committee meetings, but we're too afraid or the owners are too cowardly or too stubborn to, to ever adopt any of these changes. That's what, that's what we're going to see in the XFL. And that to me is something that at least has my attention is these things that have been tabled for so long in these competition committees because owners are so boring and so, you know, resistant to change. The XFL isn't going to be that. The XFL has never been that. And so that's to me where they got me is, is trying out new rules. I'm excited about that. The level of play, you know, adopting a team, trying to win, you know, hoping your team wins the champion. None of that's going to work for me. It's just not like you need good quarterback play and you're not going to get any good quarterback play in any of these leagues. So I'm not yeah, excited for that. I'm, I'm excited to look at some new rules. And to be honest, that's only going to last a couple of weeks and I'm going to be out. We can't even get 32 competent quarterbacks in the NFL. Exactly. Like, I mean, so yeah, dropping off the table, maybe that's a chance. Like if we get more minor league that for people to like develop systems that will like not be so quarterback heavy. Although granted those probably fall apart, you know, as soon as you leave the minor leagues, but still like, I, I don't know. Like I see there's been, there were good success stories out of the AAF and the XFL for certain guys. Uh, was it Dearness Johnson or was it Donovan Peoples Jones? I forget one of those two was down Dearness in Johnson. Dearness yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. He was a minor league ball player at like, there's always, there's, there's some guys who just slip through the cracks. I think it's sure. a necessary layer. It does. I would always propose it doesn't need to be sexy. Not a lot of people are watching triple a baseball on TV. Like it, but it doesn't need to be, it just needs to be there as a, as a, as an extra layer of a farm system. It just, so I just, so you're yeah. Suggesting sell like fruity pebble hot dogs at these games to get people in the stands and have theme nights. Dress up as your favorite office character. No, like Michigan the, Panthers. The, the, it, it helps to make up the gate, but like the, the underlying thing is like, you need a developmental system. It's why the NBA leans into the G league. It's as the, a last, thing. the last thing that Chris wants is people cosplaying <laughs> in a stadium. Dude, I saw Justin Verlander take a baseball from a velociraptor. Yeah, that's pretty sick. <laughs> I saw, I saw Jose Valverde dressed up in a hot dog Jersey. I've see seen it. things at Toledo Mudhens games. You people wouldn't believe. I want to see like RoboCop do the coin toss at the, at the Lions game this year. How sick would that be? Not, not Cletus, the NFL on Fox robot. They should fight. They should fight each other. They should. Fight. They should. Like <laughs> the T like the, um, like, like, and like, Oh no, they got to pair up and they got to beat the Ed. Yeah. Ed, Ed 409. Ed 409. I kept wanting to call it Eddie, but we're getting deep into, into oh, Robocop. They always come back to Robocop, man. Come on. Everything comes back to Robocop. Come on, Sal. Come on, Sal. The Detroit Tigers might not be playing at all. No, they're not <laughs> playing right now. No. And that's why we're talking about the XFL because I am at a loss. Uh, let's take a break and let's do some mailbag. I was hoping to get in deeper on this, but clearly. We'll just have to wait and see. I don't know. You're surprised. Yeah. You're surprised that Jeremy's not into minor league football. The guy's a, barely a, a Michigan Wolverines fan. Sometime. <laughs> how how many Michigan Panthers can you name without looking right now? Kayvon Walker, Shea Two. Patterson, and Paxton Lynch, and then uh, I can't remember his first name, but it's like Adeo, the uh, defensive tackle from Utah State. 
Chris, I'm Chris probably saying his name wrong. Two, two, two of the players are quarterbacks. So they two will of them not are be quarterbacks and two of them time. are, well, and two of them are defensive linemen. So there I go there. But That's one of the best it. rosters, apparent according to some power rankings list based on nothing. Hey, you know how you know how to make it really cool? Make it seven on seven. Just make it seven on seven. Mm, they do that for they do that for like Serena. rugby, and it's you no know, what I I think sevens seven on seven would be less popular. But who knows? I I went to plenty Detroit Fury games at the Palace. Okay. Ooh. What was what was Fury? What was that? That was AFL, the Arena Football League. Wait, oh God, that must have been a long time ago. I barely remember them as an Arena League team. Hell yeah, man! They gave away those tickets for free at the. <laughs> I was going to say, how did you win those free tickets? <laughs> how did I win the free tickets? I, yeah. I, you picked them up. Off hold the up, ground. hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. What? Very carefully. <laughs> Next segment. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit Beauty Cast. Mailbags coming in. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. Wow. I haven't done this intro in a long time. No blues clues music, but uh, I used to always say, I used to always do the mail time. We're doing mailbags again, but first, before we do that, we need to re- read some reviews. we got new reviews, Jeremy. We do a couple good Ooh. reviews, a couple five stars that we're going to read that I'm very excited about. Because- off of Apple. Af- off of, these are off of Apple podcasts. You send That's us right. a, a, a review. We will try to read it. Yes, especially if they're as entertaining as both these who took very distinct uh, routes to to say. You can also leave a rating. You can also leave a rating on Spotify as well. They just don't have a place for review. But please rate us there because our rating there is very, very, very good. And I want to keep it as high as possible. True. All right. Our first one on Apple Podcasts comes from someone named Steve Matron. Says Thousand Island. Yes, please. Gives us five stars. He says, this is the best Reuben I have ever eaten. The corned beef is extremely tender. The sauerkraut is made to perfection and the rye bread is, wait, this podcast isn't about sandwiches. Oh man, my bad. This Why did we podcast- do the Reuben versus Cuban debate? What, what month was that? I, that was a while ago. This, this that was well after we, we, that. we've done. We've done that multiple times. <laughs> we have. We have. <laughs> Anyways, he's, he goes on to say that this lines podcast is the best around. This is a group of guys being dudes and discussing all the news and rumors about our beloved lines. They clearly put in the work to provide accurate information, and I'm here for all of it. Excellent work, gentlemen. Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) Wonderful. No complaints about this review. No complaints. Uh, The next one comes from VA underscore Lions underscore fan. The title, of course, is adequate, yet he gives us five stars. So it's much like watching the show Dinosaurs in the early 90s. It shows what being adequate can achieve while you might be waiting for a much better product, i.e. Family Matters or Full House, the shows that will live on. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Uh, Of course, I'm just playing into these guys' self-deprecating style. We don't really do self-deprecating much anymore, though. We really don't. I just keep adequate around, but we don't really self-deprecate as much as we do. That's true. Uh, I would recommend this podcast to anyone that actually admits to being a Lions fan, like this guy born and raised in Virginia. Shout out to our Virginians out there. You might be the only one, but shout shout out to you. Mm-hmm. Can I read one here? So. 
Yeah. Go uh, ahead. Did we do the? Actually, wait. I think we've done Yaklin's interview uh, review. Yeah, we done that one. We're. I think so. We're done. Are we caught up? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Never mind then. You took them all. Uh, let's get to the mailbag, Ryan. Um, yes. Do you want to? Should I just make you the mailbag host? Yeah, you can make me the mailbag host. Okay. Okay. Let's go for yeah. it. What we got? All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out of order here because I'm the one. Go out of order. Go whatever questions. order you want. You are the mailbag right. conductor. So from Evan Bowler at FireDog underscore 07, he says, what are the chances the Lions take a quarterback at pick 32 if someone falls to that spot, i.e. Matt Corral? I think this is a question that you see pretty often because – I mean, how often we're seeing quarterbacks get mocked to Detroit at 32. So, yeah, people are trying to min-max when it comes to this, too. They, they just always assume that most, like, again, this is kind of going back to our Malik Willis debate, right? That, like, value at quarterback is there at 32, but not at two. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Although I, I'd admit, I, I'd say that there's no such thing as value to a draft pick besides the value of packaging that draft pick to trade with someone else. The idea that there is a positional value to a draft pick uh, is just not true in my brain. You get the guy when you want to get your guy, but I'm curious, Jeremy's thoughts. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had this discussion a lot and I I'm still kind of, I I still kind of won't budge for my position that if, if he's good enough for 32, he's good enough for two. Because the first first round draft pick is like, you got to hit on it. Especially if you're at this point in development, you got to hit on it. And if I, I don't think like, oh, well, suddenly it's not as risky because it's 32. So you can take a chance on someone like Malik Willis. No, you need to hit at 32. You need a generational guy at two and you still need to hit at 32. So, I, I mean, I, if, if maybe your number one rated quarterback is still there at 32, maybe. But at the same time, if he's your number one quarterback and you think he's good enough to be your future quarterback, you take him at two. What are we doing here? Don't play games. So I like, I think the, I, I think the answer is a lot less than mock drafters seem to think, because if you're drafting a quarterback at 32, you think he's going to be your starter. And if you think he's going to be your starter, you got a shot him at two and you passed on him. So I don't think it makes a lot of sense at all. If I'm being completely honest, I'd put, if we want to throw a percentage, I think it's a 10% chance that they do something like that. To me, it just, it does not make a lot of logical sense to me. I think there's a way greater chance just to put a button on this real quick. I think there's a way greater chance that maybe the lions spend a six or seventh round draft pick on a guy to be maybe their third string shot in the dark kind of guy. Yeah. Just because, you know, David Blau restricted free agent. Stop it. All right. Next question. Um, so the next question wow. is from WB wow. at Woody Woo 99. He asks, since safety seems to be a quote unquote undervalued position, is it more likely for the Lions to get a proven one in free agency than draft Kyle Hamilton at two? Chris, that's a you'd want to talk that's about. A, yeah, that's a good Kyle question because, like, I'm trying to think because, like, the only guys you probably are going to get in free agency that I can really move the needle on you for is probably you're probably going to want like the younger guy that you can like take a risk on. But I mean, I guess we're talking like what Jesse Bates, Terrell Edmonds. Like, you're not going to go for like a Marcus Williams. He's going to command way too much money. Um, Jabril Peppers. 
maybe like once again this is always a problem with free agency is like unless we're talking about the marquee guys who are usually in their upper 20s when they're getting these kind of contracts this is the class that you're looking at and i am sure marcus williams would be fantastic but i don't think the lions are shelling out 10 million for that but i think there's good chance for again those second uh second level guys that i talked about like um <clears throat> that are probably in the mid 20s like a peppers or a um or maybe even a Xavier Woods. Anyways, yeah, Xavier Xavier Woods that you could probably uh so here's the thing is like there's a lot like we talk about how deep wide receiver and edges in this draft. I think safety is about as deep too. So deep, yeah. if, I mean we're talking we're talking number two overall. And th- I mean this conversation has really yeah, I guess up, I guess I should since... be I, I shouldn't be going I shouldn't be limiting myself in free agency because we're talking number two. It means also free agent safety. You're opening up the pocketbook for right. someone like Marcus Williams, right? I, and I don't I mean I don't know. Ever since Daniel Jeremiah kind of opened his mouth and said Kyle Hamilton would be a perfect pick for the Lions if if Aiden Hutchinson is gone at one, people have been more accepting of this idea. I think, and, and Chris, you've been one that's kind of been pounding the table for this for a while. I I. I I'm a little bit more open to it. I, I know. I think last podcast, I, I kind of talked about positional value and, and how I No, I think that, that was a good, right that pick. was a good, that was a good idea though. Because like, as you say, like it's, it's about players who are going to make an impact. Right. But I, I just, I'm. And a safety is not called a safety here, for no reason. <laughs> um, is, is just like who, what, what is the best way to fill out the safety position? Is it, is it mm-hmm. via free agency via someone who is proven like Marcus Williams and, and shell out a lot of money for him? Or do you go and, I mean, I, I guess the idea is, do you spend a lot of draft capital or do you spend a, a lot of free agency? And I, those aren't the only two options, right? You can get potentially a safety with like Petrie, Petrie in, in the second or third round. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't really have a preference. Like if you're going to go all in, go all in. Um, the question is how much, value is a safety. Like, is, is it worth going all in for? And there's, there's certainly a lot of people that, that seem to be of the belief that safety is currently undervalued and maybe that they're true, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to be there with second overall pick. So I, I, I guess I, I'd, I'd rather them spend a little bit more to the idea that it's undervalued. I just would like to throw in there, like look at a guy like Quandre Diggs, who makes plays about as explosively as, as any kind of corner out there. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. There certainly are examples. Um, from Usman Khan, uh, at Connie Usmani4 on Twitter, he asks, do you think Amon Ross St. Brown is a capable wide receiver number one, and what should the Lions do with TJ Hawkinson? And I know Jeremy has lots of thoughts on that latter question. Well, let me take the uh, the former part, shall we? Um, I think he is. I'm going to be honest. I think he is. I may be overreacting a little bit, but if you get any kind of consistency starting in in year two, uh, yeah, I don't, why wouldn't, maybe we were just kind of watching in a vacuum a little bit. I, but I, I think that what he showed you that value is would probably be a lot more amplified with a better quarterback from Jared than Jared Goff. So, I mean, like you, you definitely, here, here's the thing. If, if, if we were putting, if you're putting Amon Ross St. Brown together with someone around or a little better, like than his, than his talent, I don't think it's going to be divide, like say Tyler Higby. I mean, not Tyler Higby, just um, T Higgins and uh, Jamar chase for the Bengals. 
I think those two are probably a lot closer together. So value, and I guess this goes to positional value in the draft though, is, you know, you want a wide receiver, but if you're not going to take one of those, you know, top five, we were talking about during a break, uh, we, we had our own top five list guys. We'll, we'll throw it in with the scraps, but um, well, I think it's the first time we've ever acknowledged scraps on the main podcast. Uh, but outside of those guys, you're taking another receiver. I think like Amon Ross St. Brown's probably going to play at that level or higher. So in that case, yeah, he would be your number one. To me, it depends on how you define number one. If you're yeah, talking I get about the problem it, too, is like, you're also, are you kicking him outside? Are you playing him in the slot? What are you doing with him? Well, that's part of it, right? Because if you're talking about, can he be the, the guy who produces the most stats? The answer is yes. He's already because done it. He, he's already done it most for the most part. I mean, not, not great competition. I think that's the point. Like, yeah, sure. Not, sure. He didn't put up number one receiver numbers. He did for a stretch of four or five games. Um, but he's capable of doing that for a full season. Is he capable of being the guy that draws double coverage and still dominates a game that I'm not so sure. of. I don't think so. I think he needs someone to draw the attention away from him as kind of that quote unquote, number one guy who's tall, fast needs a, a safety shade over him. A guy like Jamar chase, then they will both benefit from something like that. I'm on our, will absolutely benefit from something like that. And I just want to say, staying on the, staying on the Cincinnati example, again, Jamar Chase, absolutely like to your point though, Jamar Chase absolutely benefits from having T Higgins and some of those other receivers on the run. It's it's, it's a symbiotic relationship for sure. But I just don't think Amon Ra can be that for someone else as the guy who draws the attention. I don't think he can be that, that guy. So I I guess to answer the first question, I don't think he's, you know, what we consider a prototype number one receiver, but I do think he can have number one production as a guy who could produce. Yeah. He could produce 1200 yards, 1300 yards. I think that's realistic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second half of that question, Jeremy, you want to take that? TJ Hawkins is an interesting case. I mean, I, I obviously we're talking fifth, uh, fifth year option, which is um, lines have until I think May 3rd to, to make a decision on that. I wrote a whole article on it and um, I kind of stand behind it um, where my basic conclusion was, listen, he hasn't, he's kind of been playing at a level that is fringe top 10. So I'm not ready to hand this guy a Travis Kelsey contract. I'm not ready to hand this guy a George Kittle contract. I don't think he's worth that much. Um, personally, I, I think it makes sense to give him the fifth year option, see how he plays this year and revisit whether to give him an extension or not. I understand that if he balls out, suddenly that costs you a lot of money where you could potentially re-sign him to an extension now at a cheaper deal because he hasn't, he isn't coming off a great season because he's been injured for two out of the last two of his first three seasons. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 I guess I'm not as convinced that TJ Hawkinson is an elite tight end as maybe I was two years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's at least a discussion to be had there, right? Because I think when Hawkinson was drafted, it was like, that guy was the eighth overall pick. That guy is going to be a tight end for the Lions for the rest of forever in order for him to live up to, you know, being drafted that high. Right. So I think all of us were like, yeah, TJ Hawkinson's like the guy from here until he's done. And I I, I think there's a discussion worth having there. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. All right, uh, we got time for one more. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Okay. 
Um, from the co-founder of Questionable Tees, Mr. Scott himself, he asks, P.O.D., last year the Lions drafted two defensive tackles. What position are they most likely to do this with in this draft? This is a good question. I'm going to throw it right this back at you, Ryan, question. because in your latest mock draft dropped today on Monday, you double-dipped at safety in the first three picks? In the first three picks, yeah. And uh, if people read the article... Um, they would have seen that because our discussion that we had with Kent Lee Platty about previewing the combine, um, he mentioned Jalen Petrie's ability to play nickel corner. And yeah. I think that, I think that safety is just a distinction that you can come off of. So like, I, I know, I know, Hey, say what you want about Kyle Hamilton having happening at, at number two, whether or not that comes to fruition, I can totally see the lions maybe, double dipping at 32 and then maybe a little bit later in the draft with like another guy, if they can get I, I think two, I think two safeties is something that can happen. I think the position that's more likely though is linebacker. I can definitely see them double dipping at linebacker. Um, and that's actually a position I had them double dipping in, in my mock draft too, with a uh, JJ Doman and, or Jojo Doman, sorry. Jojo. And, and uh, yeah, I knew, I knew that Chris would, Catch me on that. Um, and, and Chad Muma. Um, I think that, I think there's a lot of different kinds of linebackers though in this draft class. So that's why I could see the Lions double dipping at that position too. And because they just don't really have anybody there right now. Yeah. Long-term pieces. It's, I, it's Derek Barnes and that that's no guarantee right there. Jalen Reeves Maben is a free agent. Alex Anzalone seems like he's pretty much gone. I mean, they brought back Sean Dion Hamilton. <laughs> LB one baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's where we're at with that. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, obviously uh, wide receiver. Well, I I'll go outside the box here and I, this keeps coming up on my mock drafts that I do on my streams. Um, and I feel weird for saying it, but I feel like this is a take. This is a take. If the lions take an edge at number two, either Thibodeau or Hutchinson, I have a good sense they'll double dip and go back in a later round. Take another edge. Just, just, just for just for the depth. I don't think Oqua, the Oquaras are at risk of losing a starting job, but I could see them taking like I don't know Luketa or uh, Dominic Robinson or so, someone someone on a later day, like uh, on sure. like day three, like late day two, early day three. I could see another edge come off the board just for that depth and the amount that uh, that the position probably needs because this yeah. pass rush is still bad. It is. And I, I think, I think your, your point's fair because the, the Lions do have a bunch of depth guys right now. And by a bunch, I really just mean Austin Bryant and Julian O'Quara. And that's, that's kind of it. They yeah. they'll probably, they might bring back Jesse Lemonier or, or Rashad Berry. Cause both those guys are exclusive rights for each. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't cost them much, but how many of those guys can you count on to be, you know, a, a rotational guy that, that regularly plays like Austin Bryant at time flash, the time looked okay. Juno Quar still looks pretty darn raw to me. And, and the hope is that he develops, but that doesn't always happen. It just doesn't. Um, and, and you hope that you have a good coaching staff that that can bring that out. But I think, I think you're definitely right that double dipping, especially if we're talking like fourth round or later for that second guy to, to potentially be a, a, a developmental rotational guy would absolutely be for that. Can never have too many edge rushers, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And then it, as, as you mentioned, Ryan, I think the other obvious answer is wide receiver. And I don't think I really need to explain why the Lions just don't have <laughs> wide receivers, anyone that they can trust to be a starter outside of Amon Ra right now. And I know there are a lot of Quintus Cephas fans, but I think, uh, thinks he still has a lot to prove. Yeah. And I think what's real quick, what's interesting about the wide receiver stuff is, uh, you think about a guy like Christian Watson, like that guy might want to play like a big slot and he's a much bigger slot than Quintez Cephas. Right. Um, in terms of, uh, I think his like, you know, I, I think in terms of his upside, I should say. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely a position that could be had. Um, we got time for one more. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Shot, shot one in real fast. All right. Um, from Daniel Cornell, uh, at DC Lion fan on Twitter, he asked, "Do you think with such a strong cornerback class, the Lions could take one at thirty-two or thirty-four?" Mm. I mean, they could, but I'm trying to think what names kind of fly off the board for me. Maybe Trent McDuffie. Um, I'm trying to think who else besides like because after Stingley, I think there's a bit of a. Uh, I mean, Stingley and Gardner are right. like the two big names, two potential top. 10 guys for right sure. and then after that is probably white like what duff mcduffie and uh andrew booth andrew booth yeah roger yeah. mccreary might be in that conversation as well yep i think he's probably in that discussion as well for sure um here alum out of florida maybe kyler gordon is a name that i've seen quite a bit too with washington sure. He's kind of been rising up. I've seen Colby Bryant. I mean, he, he played pretty yeah. well at the senior bowl as well. Got a lot I guess the question is, is that going to happen at 32, 34, like he's talking about because Kobe Bryant seems like more like a, um, a later day two kind of guy. Sure. But I, I guess philosophically speaking, I don't have anything. I don't have an issue with that. I think cornerback's an important position and the lines certainly aren't set at any of those positions. I mean, Amani's got one more year on his contract. Right. Jeff Huge question mark. Uh, yeah, obviously, a, a guy like uh, Jerry Jacobs is a good story, but can he be a long-term starter? Who knows? And then Ifatu Melifanu, also still very much a question mark. Like, I feel like we constantly go into the offseason saying, like, the set of cornerbacks could be really good. But it's always could. Could, could be. It's always could. could. It's always because, could. We, we always talk ourselves into it, yeah. Yeah, so to me, like, you, you look at – you look at what the lines have. And to me, there's, there's no, there's no certainty. There's absolutely no certainty, certainty at any position at cornerback. So drafting a, a top guy at 32 or 34, I am behind. I can't, I can't speak to any of the specific guys, but philosophically, I think it's definitely on the table. Fair, very fair. Um, and you're there too, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just, I, I don't know how, where the Lions are going to approach this draft, to be honest. Like, overall. BPA, like baby. Like, that's, but that's it. And that's what goes to the Kyle Hamilton thing about BPA. Is like, there's so many needs for the Lions that unless they really have their eyes on, the, on the, one of these particular quarterbacks, it is BPA. And it's a lot of positions to fill out. If there was one team that I wish the Lions could trade drafts with, it would be the Philadelphia Eagles it seems like they are in like one of the best positions to be like, we're just going to wait to see who comes to us. And then we have picks at 15, 16 and 19. They have, like, a su- they have supermarket sweep going on, man. They're just going to pick up everything. Yeah. I, it's such an envious position. It seems like with this draft, because there is no top guy. Like I've seen like multiple, we talked pe- about, yeah, I've seen multiple people in the draft say like the difference between players 10 through 60 are like throwing names at a hat. 
I think we like, talked about this last year or was it last draft? Like this idea that your position in the draft matters when this isn't like the NBA where it's like, if your pick isn't in the top five, it's a bubkiss. The idea, like quantity over quality. A lot of the times quantity over position in like 90% of the cases, the other 10% is you need a quarterback, but outside of needing a, a quarterback at the top of the draft, like every other, or like, some like, or very specific studs or hard to find each year. Most of the time you just want more picks. I'm just going to throw this out there. They might not have all three of those first round picks by the time the draft comes around. Hey, trade up, trade up in this year. They just might get a quarterback, a veteran quarterback. All these, all these quarterbacks on the market, supposedly. I don't think there's as many quarterbacks in the market that we say, I don't think Russell Wilson's leaving Seattle. And I don't think, and Kyler, I hate to break it. Kyler to li- certainly. <laughs> I, I don't think the Kyler thing's overblown. I hate to break it to the Lions fans. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is staying in, in Green Bay. I, I do think that's probably going to happen with a lot of these cases more so than like, I, I, I couldn't read the fine print on Kyler Murray's agent statement, but it kind of sounds like that. That's going to, yeah, literally. <laughs> but I think he's probably going to stay. I think, I think Russ stays. So the only question I'm, is Deshaun- actually Russ. I'm not Russ sure is going to stay. Russ, Russ, out of any of these quarterbacks, Russ is the most likely for me to stay. Okay. I think I think he's won that fight in 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 Seattle. Um, and then, yeah, who the hell knows about Deshaun Watson? I feel like we have so many other things to take care of with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's 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 the big one. That's the big yep. one. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're done. Are where, we? where, yeah, but I just want to ask where where is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to play football? Uh, um, we're going getting back into USFL talk. Does he have kids? <laughs> I was going to say he's going to be throwing the ball to his son. Oh, uh, how old is he? I don't know. See you, Starside or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>